0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of In the Springs. I'm your host Ryan Lowry. Thanks for tuning in. My guest on today's show is stand up comedy legend Mr. Bill Engvall. Bill was kind enough to give me a call a few days before his headlining set at the Pikes Peak Center right here in Colorado Springs. So please sit back and enjoy because comedian Bill Engvall is in the Springs. Good morning. This is Ryan.
1: Hey, Ryan. Bill Engel. Hey,
0: Bill. How the heck are you?
1: I'm doing great, man.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to give me a call. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, I appreciate you putting me on the air here.
0: Oh, you bet. So now, uh, so you're going to be playing the Pikes Peak Center here in uh, Colorado Springs this coming Saturday. Correct. Uh, Now, have you been out this way before?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, My uh, actually, my daughter lives in Denver with her husband and. Uh, I've been I've been coming to Colorado Springs for a while there. I, I really enjoy the
0: town. Oh, terrific. I know we're looking forward to getting you out here, and hopefully the weather's going to cooperate for you as well so you can take a peek at the mountains.
1: Yeah, that's definitely.
0: Excellent. Well, Bill, uh, how does a guy from, uh, from Texas who was studying to be a teacher uh, become one of the most successful and, and well-known comedians in the country?
1: <laughs> Boy, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, I, I think a lot of it is just... Uh, luck (laughs) um you know i uh when i started doing stand-up you know when i went to college i was going to be a school teacher and then uh i got interested in women and beer and studies kind of went out the window uh so i dropped out of college and moved to dallas back to dallas they opened up a comedy club and i I was working as a dj in a nightclub uh and a buddy of mine and i went and saw an to watch an amateur night and we were just sitting there watching the show and a little couple of rounds of liquid encouragement went through us. And, uh, he said, man, you gotta get up and do that." And I go, no, hell no. Uh, and then a couple more went and next thing, you know, I'm on stage and I just fell in love with her. Uh, and I've been doing it now for 35 years.
0: Unbelievable. Now, were you a, were you a fan of comedy or was this something that really just sort of came out of the blue for you?
1: No, I was always been a fan of comedy. Uh, I used to listen to my dad's old Bob Newhart button down line albums. Uh, and you know, uh, then when I went to college, I bought Steve Martin's "Let's Get Small," and uh, I just fell in love with. It. I just thought, what a great way to make a. You know, but I didn't think you could make a living at it. You know, I thought it's just something you do, all, you know, in your spare time. And uh, but yeah, I've always been a fan. I love to laugh. Uh, I just, I, I think, yeah, I'm always amazed that when I like my wife and I will be out at a restaurant and somebody will be laughing, and you see somebody look at him with this look like, ah, they're over there laughing. It's like really. You're you're getting mad at them because they're having a good time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what it's all about, right? Yeah. Now, when you were thinking about becoming a teacher, was there anything about that line of work that, were there any commonalities between that and and being a performer?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that teachers, uh, in their own right, are are great entertainers. Uh, And my proof is that if you think back over your years of schooling, the teachers that made learning fun, you can remember their names. And uh, you know, I can go all the way back to kindergarten, uh, Miss Chapman, uh, and then the, probably the biggest influence in my life, other than my father, uh, was my creative writing teacher in English uh, in high school. Uh, her name was Bobby Brown. She was kind of my Mrs. Robinson, uh, uh, even though it was never anything between us. She was just a smoking hot young college, <laughs> you know. uh, but she encouraged me to explore the. Uh, do things that, you know, like, I remember she would, like, if we had a project, you could write a paper, uh, you could uh, give a speech, or you could do a, a skit, and I always did the skits uh, because it was, you know, I've just always been a little bit of a performer, I guess, and, uh, and she really encouraged me to follow my dream, uh, even though at that time I didn't know what that dream was, uh, and and then, uh, it, lo and behold, it turned out to be stand-up, and in fact, it was an interesting thing, a uh, I guess about ten years after I started doing this, she came to one of the shows and uh with her husband and we were sat there and talked to him I said, I said i told her I said thank you i said you're the one who pushed me to do this un un unknowingly
0: oh that's great now, at what point in your when you first started doing stand up and, and it became a little bit more serious for you at what point did you realize hey this is this is something i'm I'm good at, and i I can actually make a make a living doing this
1: I think there was two events um one was uh when I won the uh award for best male stand up in a nightclub. Uh because it was the first year that the fans got to vote on it at the comedy awards. And that really meant a lot to me because they were the ones who chose me. It wasn't just a panel of people uh and, and I was up against some some stiff competition and uh, and I was the unknown. Uh and then I think when I did the tonight show with Johnny Carson the next year, uh, that was a, that was a, that's when I went, wow, maybe this is uh, really happening.
0: Unbelievable. Now I imagine the experience with Johnny Carson, you probably could fill an hour with stories related to that, but what, but what was that experience like for you? Because obviously, you know, Carson was certainly one of the, the legends in late night and he was always so, uh, supportive for, for up comedians. So what was that experience like for you?
1: Uh, it, w- I'll tell you this, it went by way too fast, um, It was literally it was over in seconds. It seemed like right, but uh, it was just you know I I got to the studio, and the producers said all right walk with I'll show you where you stay. We walked out on the stage. You know there was no audience in there yet. He said you see that store right there on the floor, and I said yeah. And he said don't stand on that. That's Johnny Star. You stand back here where it says T for Talent. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And and uh, and I tell you the best thing that happened uh, that could have happened happened. I was singing in the dra- you know, and it's the Tonight Show. You know, I'm wound up. And a friend of mine, a, a female comedian, came by who had done the show. And she said, I'm going to give you one piece of advice. And I said, what? And she goes, when you walk out, look at Doc and the band, look at Johnny, look at Ed, and then do your stuff. Because it's so overwhelming. You know, it's like, it, and the studio's really small. I mean, it, you know, I always had that illusion of being this huge, gigantic studio. But it was really small, and the audience was right on top of you. And, uh, I started my act and I got that first laugh and then it was it was we were on a roll and I uh, and I was actually supposed to go over and talk with Johnny on the panel but uh, uh, Victoria Jackson went too long in her interview and so I got bumped off the couch. <laughs> oh my gosh!
0: Now you know, kind of having said that, I know you know Carson certainly could make or break a comedian back in in his heyday. So how has how has stand up changed in that regard now? Like if you're a young comedian starting out. Um, you know, w- w- what are the, the elements that you need to, you know, basically to get to your level where you're doing, you know, headline events at a theater where it just seems so diluted now relative to when, when you were when you were coming
1: right. up? Right. Well, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I got to be honest with you, I, if, if I had to start over today, I don't know that I'd make it. Uh, it's just a different work. You know, I learned from guys like Shanling and Seinfeld and Leno uh, who are doing, were doing what I'm doing now. And I, I honestly believe that uh, and I agree. with you. I think it's just with the social media and all this, it's like anybody can get five minutes of material and they think they're a, a headline comedian. Um, but I, you know, I learned from the best of the best on how to craft a joke and a story and and where to put the punchlines. And it, there was a real science to it. And I think it's being lost. Uh, the uh, you know, there's there's a group of comics I call them cup of coffee cup of coffee comics, and it's it's just a kind of free form. You know, like I was walking my dog down to Starbucks because he loves their winter lattes. Like, that's not even a joke, you know? <laughs> it's like, uh, but I, so, and I think that that's what's kept me going this long is when people come to see my show, like they're at the Pikes Peak Center, um, they know that they're going to get a clean, uh, show. They're going to get a show that's relatable. I'm going to talk about stuff they all know about. And, and, you know, here's the other thing is I, I don't do political or religious stuff or, uh, because you know, even if it's funny, you alienate 50% of your audience. Well, that's not my job. My job is to make everybody in that that, uh, that auditorium laugh. And so, and i found the way to do that is to talk about just things in life that people know of. Like you know, uh, the show I'm bringing in there this uh, the next couple of weeks is um, or this week it actually is. Uh, it, it, the title is called "Just Selling for Parts," <laughs> and uh, it's the. The title comes from the fact that because of Dancing with the Stars, I had to have my knee replaced. And then two days after I got discharged from that, I got kidney stones. And then a week after that, I got shingles. And I told my wife, I said, I don't want to go to the doctor anymore because I'm afraid he's going to look at you and just say, ma'am, just selling for parts. (laughs) Oh,
0: Oh, that's great. Now, the the style of comedy that you do, like you kind of alluded to, is it's very family-friendly um, it's very inclusive. Was that a conscious decision on on your part from a career standpoint, or is that just the type of humor that you're personally drawn to?
1: Oh, I'd love to tell you I was smart enough to think this all the way through but uh i, I think it just kind of it kind of was uh, just this uh, uh, transformation you know like I'm sure when I started out, I was a club act. I was sure I was dirtier than I really needed to be uh but i just I remember thinking about the guys like the guys look at the guys who really last. Uh, you know, there's a lot of flash in the pan. They're hot and they're gone. But the guys like Newhart and Steve Martin and all these guys—they they work clean. And uh, and and I so I tell a young comedian, I go, I'm going to tell you, you can you can laugh all you want, uh, but the, having a clean act and being funny is going to get you a lot further. Uh listen, I love Kevin Hart. I think Kevin Hart could be one of the funniest men on this planet. Um, but I couldn't do a show. Uh, it's just not my style. And and I you know, I, I love when I see like I'll see somebody sitting there with their mother or their grandmother and they're laughing, you know, and, and I always tell comedians you can talk about whatever you want. You know, how do you you know, they they, they, they I say I can't believe we're talking about sex with those old people now. Like, well, how do you think we got here? <laughs> they had sex. But you you just you know, the thing is I tell people is that you don't need to give them the details. They're smarter than you think.
0: Well now you had you had alluded to your uh your experience on uh, dancing with the stars um, Double yeah, yeah. Which you know, I I have to admit, I'm I'm kind of a closet fan of that. Thanks to my daughter, I end up watching that show pretty religiously with her. Um, now that experience, did that affect your fan base at all? Are you seeing folks at your oh, shows my now? Gosh.
1: Yeah, uh, it it was interesting after uh, after I finally got eliminated in the finals. Uh, when I would go out on the road, uh, you know, they would introduce me and they lay down from blue collar comedy, and there'd be a nice applause, and they say, "And Dancing with the Stars," and literally people would erupt. I mean, it was if you think about it, I was in front of 12 million people for 13 weeks every week. You know, that's, that's a huge number of people. And I think what it, you know, what happened with dancing with the stars was kind of a weird, uh, Emma and I, my old partner, we became this father daughter team because you know, I'm 57 and she's 24. <laughs> and so there was never any of that creepy, like, Ooh, I wonder if they're you know, uh, and so it, I think what happened was I kind of became everybody's next door neighbor that, you know, it's like your neighbors on the show and, and you're rooting for them. And listen, the reason I got to the finals is not my dancing ability; it was it was my fan base. Uh, but because uh, actually, to be honest with you, by week five, I was begging to be voted off. This, so.
0: <laughs> well, this this sounds like sort of a backhanded question, but at what point did you really take that that competition seriously? Like you were kind of in it, and as things were moving forward, it's like, hey, this is I want to win this thing. I mean, well, did it I really become I, that competitive? Yeah, for Yeah,
1: I mean, listen when I talked to the producer and they called me. I said, "Look, uh, I don't know what you're looking for from me, but I'm going to try to win this." And you know, and it was funny because <clears throat> if you go back and Google some of the shows, uh, which I can't believe I use the word Google, but um, <laughs> the uh, when they would tell Emma and I we were safe, they would cut to the judges, and they all had this look on their face like, "How is he still here?" <laughs> Cause, and they they literally didn't know what to do with me. They couldn't let a comedian win this thing, you know. And I got I, I listen. I figured out early on what this show was. It's not a dance competition. If it was, it would have been on PBS and none of us would have been asked to do it.
0: Right, right. Uh,
1: it's a reality show. And so I knew what they wanted from me. They wanted me to bring the funny. But I will tell you this, that when we were a week out from the finals, uh, and that week I tore my groin, and they said, you may be done. And I was so depressed because it was Emma's first year as a celebrity, to dance with a celebrity. And... uh uh, I didn't want to go out that way. You know, by this time, you know, I figured I'm I'm going to do, I'm going for it. You know, I mean, I took it very seriously. I mean, but, dude, by the time I got done with that show, I added up my time on the dance floor, and I realized I had to have six hours a day, seven days a week for 13 weeks. Now, that's, you're, you're committed to it at that point.
0: Oh, my gosh, yeah, that's crazy.
1: And, and, yeah, and, but the thing I told my wife, I go, I'm 57, I'm not designed to dance six hours a day seven days a week I'm designed to dance once a year drunk at a wedding to school (laughs) in the (laughs) gang. right now even though we got eliminated in the finals I I literally feel like we won just because I mean to this day uh, and this has been two years now I'm still the oldest and only comedian to ever get to the finals
0: oh that's fantastic yeah now at this stage in your career, you know you've been doing this, and, and again the, the you know the level of success that you've had, not only with stand-up comedy but just in the entertainment industry in general. Do you still have moments where you're like, "Holy crap! How did, how did I get here?"
1: Oh, yes, uh, weekly, <laughs> um, because you know it's it, unfortunately in this business it's easy to get caught up in the what haven't I done, you know, uh, and. I really achieved every goal I've set in this business uh, from being on a TV, having my own TV show to being in movies to writing a book to doing stand-up, uh, hosting a game show. You know, if I were to quit today, no one could say, oh, you almost made it. You know, it's uh, – it, 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 as my wife summed it up once, she goes, you know, it's amazing. You have friends all over the country. And she's right. You know, when I do my show, it's like I've got 2,000 new best friends and uh and we all hang out and laugh, and then i uh I go off and do another show uh but i i am always amazed like when I sit here like in my office and I'm looking at a Grammy nomination and a platinum record and two gold records, and you know that that was not in my vocabulary when I started this business, you know, like I said, it was just a cool job. I could work at night, and there that was it you know uh but I I never look at uh, I never take it for granted, uh, it, and if it ever stops being fun, then it's time to move on. You know, because I mean, you've seen shows where you can tell they're just walking through it, and, and I don't ever want the if that ever gets to that point where I feel like I'm at that point, then I then I'll call it in. But uh, right now, I still and and of all the things I love the most, stand up is still my favorite, just because you know you're it's. It's right then and there it's you know, like I can do the best TV show I want, but I don't know that some guy sitting in his lazy boy rocker at home going, oh, this show sucks
0: right, you know? right.
1: uh but with stand up it's it's right there in your face and uh and I always have a it, I have as good time as the audience does
0: well bill man I, I I appreciate your time this i'm I'm a huge fan, you know not only of you but of of oh, stand up and um you know just have a, a tremendous amount of respect for for what you've done um you know a, a, as a comedian and and so my last question is you know again kind of at this stage in your career you know what are you most what are you most proud of when you can kind of look back at the um you know the body of work that that you've produced and and the opportunities that you've had is there either any one thing or any one feeling that you can kind of point back to and say this is this is what i'm really proud of kind of the you know the legacy you know, that i've created it,
1: that, that is a great question and I, and I and i'll and i'll leave you with this one uh, years and this kind of sums up. With, you know, I love what I do, and I love making people feel good and laugh. And uh, years ago, I was in the clubs. I was working in Detroit, Michigan. I'll never forget this. Uh, after my week was over, uh, the club owner uh, sent me a, a letter that uh, someone had sent, A lady had sent him, and she said, "I wanted to let you know about this." Uh, she she said, "I was at the show on Friday night." And she said, "I don't remember his name, but he was the last guy on the show, and that would have been me." And she goes, "I that day had gone to the doc, uh, day before she had gone to the doctor and had been diagnosed with terminal cancer." She came to the show, she had a great time. She, I made her laugh, and she goes, "I went back to the doctor the next day, and they told me I'd been misdiagnosed, so tell him he cures cancer." And that has always stayed with me. I didn't cure her cancer, you know, but for 90 minutes, I made her forget the worst news you could get and And I think that that's the thing i want uh when I talk to young comedians it's like your job is to make people feel good uh and 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 to make them laugh and leave with a smile on their face and you know that's that that one letter it is it 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 really hit me is that it's what i'm what I'm doing is what I'm supposed to be doing uh is, is that i I just loved it. I love when I see people laughing. I love uh I love when you know I'm doing my show and I see a husband or a wife elbow each other like, "Ooh, that's you," you know. And uh so it's in a way it's its own kind of form of medicine, you know. It's like you think about the, every time you've laughed really hard, how good you feel, and I and I'm just honored that that I'm able to, to to prescribe that 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 drug.
0: Oh, that that that's a beautiful story and and it's also beautiful that you that you haven't lost sight of that after all this time.
1: Nope, and if I ever do, like I said, it's time
0: to call it in. Excellent. Well, Bill Engvall, man, it was an absolute pleasure chatting with you. I know we're looking forward well, to it. Well, thank
1: you so much for listening. I hope I'll see you at the show.
0: Absolutely, man. If uh, Give me a ring after the show, and I'll buy you a beer at Tony's.
1: <laughs> you got it, buddy. <laughs> All right. Take care, Bill. Bye-bye.
0: Huh. Yeah, so just, uh, just chatting with Bill Engvall, no big deal. Holy crap, that was fun. So there you have it, stand-up comedian Bill Engvall. Again, my sincere thanks to Bill for taking some time out to be on the show. Uh, It was a real pleasure having a chance to talk with him for a bit. My thanks to the folks at Marley Leslie & Associates for coordinating my interview with Bill. And as always, thank you for listening to In the Springs. The In the Springs podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. In the Springs is also a proud member of the KCMJ family. Visit kcmj.org for program schedule details. You can follow In the Springs on Twitter at RPL underscore MetaJunk. Until next time, I'm Ryan Lowry, and we'll see you again right here in the Springs.